and welcome to Fact Schmacks, the podcast good enough to get you a C minus. My name is Matt, and I've got a story to tell. And my name is Kev. I have a story to interrupt. Oh, Kevin. Oh, Matthew. It's been quite a week. What have we? What have we learned this week? Actually. Well, what have you learned this week? I want to know two things you've learned this week. And if you could just make something up in there, that would be terrific. Yeah. Okay. I can do that. I've got a little bit of practice at this. So just to remind our listener, Matt and I have decided recently to keep score. And right now the score is one, one, and this is the best yes. three out of five. Yes. So last week I won. So I've got a lot riding on this one. I got to keep the momentum going. Yeah, this is really going to impact you mentally, you know, going forward, whether you win or lose, it's going to, yeah. Yeah. So how much do you know about Mr. Abraham Lincoln? Oh, well, he had one tall hat. Let me tell you. He did. He looked really weird without a beard. You ever see the pictures where he doesn't have the beard? He's a strange looking man. Yeah, he looks like he sells copper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what people got to do. That's what people got to do. Absolutely. So uh, would you believe it or not? Do you think it's a factor schmacked mm-hmm. that Mr. Abe Lincoln shares a birthday, same day, same year, with a Mr. Charles Darwin? Huh. Lincoln and Darwin, same birthday. Very interesting. Did I? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Would you believe it's a fact or a schmacked that Abe Lincoln and you'll like mm-hmm. this was oh. inducted into the Wrestling Hall of Fame for having won around three hundred matches with only one loss? <laughs> I think that's a fact. Actually, I think I heard somewhere that Abe Lincoln was a was quite a proficient wrestler. Okay, so here's where it's going to be tricky. Yeah. Because you're expecting, like, something crazy here. Uh-huh. Factor schmacked, Matt. Mm-hmm. Lincoln argued in front of the Supreme Court of the United States of America and won prior to becoming a president. Hmm. He was a lawyer. Was he that good of a lawyer? Ah. Hmm. Interesting. That's quite interesting. Yeah, you're stuck, aren't you? I am stuck. <sighs> tick tock, tick tock. I know he was a lawyer. And I seem to recall something about him arguing or maybe not being able, being screwed out of arguing in front of the Supreme Court or something. Ooh, I don't know much about Abraham Lincoln, but what I do know is that apparently he liked to wrestle. Okay. Um, you know, there's a rumor is, that he had a, he likes wrestling with dudes a lot. Were you aware of that? Uh, oh yeah, sure. I mean, he's one of the weirder, uh, he, no, he was kind of a strange dude wrong with that. Uh, yeah, that's true. I should check myself there. Maybe we should start yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't mean it like that. I just, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I think I meant- Matt has walked into a trap. 
Yeah, oh, that was bad of me. I, I, I mean, kind of, apparently he was kind of aloof, but that was really uh, that well, was very insensitive. He, yeah, had apologize. A, he had a wife who was mm. a little bit like unwell, and yeah. I don't think that they had the greatest of relationships, but he had a, kind of like a buddy who so you're telling they would me that often he had, sleep together. He had two beards. <laughs> we'll say maybe, maybe, allegedly. <laughs> He had Allegedly, sure. Uh, n- nothing, r- nothing wrong with that. No. Um, but I think it's the think? Lincoln Darwin birthday thing. Really? Yep. I win again. No, that's true. That's legit. They share the same birthday, same year. I even, I even double looked it up because I read oh. it as a fact, and I was like, I'm gonna make sure that's accurate. So and that's the level it? of quality you get out of this show. So here's the thing, and I told you I was going to tighten up these fact schmacks. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln did argue in front of the Supreme Court. He lost. Oh. He tried to argue. Uh, so basically this guy had sold some. Oh, excuse me. Uh, from what I understand, he sold a bunch of land. It uh-huh. didn't belong to him and then died. So when the guy came around and tried to sue, he was trying to argue that the statute of limitations had run out because the guy was dead and stuff. And was basically overturned, which, I mean, it's probably for the best. So I think the guy got some of his money back from the state or something like that. Hmm. So, yeah. So this is, this is where we're at now. Nine-tenths <laughs> of it's true. I'm just... Uh... <laughs> I told you it was going to get tightened right up. Oh, boy. All yeah. right. All right. You well, still have I a three, even if I gave you something you would never guess... You still have a one in three chance of winning. So that's true. Think of it that like a true. really good lottery at this point. That's true. It's not, no, it's like odds are still in your favor every time, but yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I like playing games with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, like it, I like it stacked in my favor. May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> uh, well, it's about time. It's time? about time that we, we go back, you know, we focused on uh, we one. We focused on one man's descent into into madness before, you know. Last week, I mean, it's time to go back and fo- focus on just a good old fashioned war, and oh. one that happened long enough ago that we don't really have to feel bad for anybody involved. Okay, uh, just right where I like to be. Uh, we're going to be talking. No lawsuits about- coming our way. Yeah. We're going to be talking about the Gallic Wars. Now, I very briefly... The Gallic Wars. uh, Do you mean Gallic Wars? No, I mean the Gallic Wars. Okay. Spell it. Yeah. G-A-L-L-I-C. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Which was uh, what happened when... We did very briefly touch on this in our very first episode... We touched wow, that's on a long, that's a long time ago. That is a long time ago. We touched on our boy Julius Caesar, JC. having JC having been put in charge of a place called Cisalpine and Transalpine Gaul, which meant Gaul on this side of the Alps and Gaul on that side of the Alps. It was basically like France, Germany, and Belgium, kind of what the Holy Roman Empire would would become largely. Um, but they didn't, they weren't really in charge of like any of that territory. They had a little bit of it. 
Um, so he he had very specifically wanted to be uh, appointed proconsul, which is like kind of roving general in charge uh, in this region. This is before he becomes, as you would put it, the Caesar. Uh, this is when he's he's allied with. I think that's that. how most people would put it. <laughs> but that's a, uh, that's no. an argument for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, most people would say that Augustus Caesar was the Caesar. Um, anyways, no, I think uh, Julius Caesar was the Caesar. Hey, man, it's in his he's name, a good man. Caesar. He's a, well, it's in Augustus Caesar's name, too. Yeah, but who, who <laughs> thinks of Augustus Caesar? If I say Caesar, you say Julius. It's like Marco Polo. Eh, I mean, I could go either way. They're both Caesar. But Augustus was the was the uh, more powerful one. He was, But not the OG. The he wasn't the OG. No. We'll agree to disagree. <laughs> I wanted to get that out of the way right away. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is before he is, you know, kind of the dictator that, that everybody knows. This is while he had his, his triumvirate, his kind of partnership with the other two powerful people in Rome. He had been put in charge of this area basically to enrich himself. That was, you know a big part of his plan. He was going to be in charge for 10 years, starting in about 58 BCE. And as soon as he hits the region, he uh, kind of starts looking around, figuring out how he's going to start, you know, poking people in the eye and starting a war without, you know, they, they the Romans never just outright declared war on people because they always wanted to kind of have the favor of the gods on their side. So they would, you know, needle people into doing things or they'd back people into doing, you know, declaring war on them or they, right. uh, they had a million different ways to start a war without them actually, you know, technically starting it. It's like when you're too scared to break up with someone. So you just start being a dick. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with much far more far reaching consequences. There. Okay. Uh, conveniently enough for Caesar, uh, there was this Gallic tribe uh, called the Helvetii, uh, which was in modern Switzerland, and they were trying to migrate to the Atlantic coast. They were getting pushed on by the, the Germans uh, in the area, the Germanic tribes in the area, and it was getting to be hard to live where they were. So they decide they're going to go to the Atlantic coast, try their fortune there. And this is going to put them right through, like, not only, they basically have two choices. They're either going to have to go through Roman territory, or they're going to have to march through a ton of other people's kind of territory and probably have to fight their way through the whole the whole way. So they approach this new proconsul who's just been uh, appointed in this area, this Julius Caesar guy, and they say, hey, man. JC. JC, do you think it would be cool, my friend, if we just kind of like migrated through your part and that would probably be just like a lot more peaceful for everybody involved if we can just like pass through? And uh, Julius Caesar thought, I said, well, let me think about it. Why don't you come back in, in three days? Um, and uh, they, uh, they, they said, cool, that's cool. They, they they left, they came back three days later, and what they found was he had built a big fucking wall uh, preventing them from, from getting into Roman territory. So Man, that was kind of their answer. Move. 
that was kind he of built their, a wall their, in three days. Like Trump didn't do it in four years. Yeah. You, we're going to find out that uh, if it came down to building walls, like boy, Caesar Trump's Trump in a big way. Uh, okay. But uh, yes. So he, he built a big wall that kind of gives them their answer right there. So, okay, well, fine. We got to make our way through, uh, through Gallic territory then. And they do. And that starts kind of, uh, you know, displacing other tribes that are already there. Uh, that starts agitating the balance that's going on in the area. And a couple of these um, local Gallic uh, uh, tribes reach out to the Romans and say, hey, can you guys help us? There's these assholes marching through our territory. No idea why, but uh, here they are. Can you help us figure this out? And that was just what Caesar was looking for to get himself involved uh, in uh, Gaul. Uh, So he's like, yeah, absolutely. So he starts chasing down this group of uh, Helvetii, which is like when tribes like this migrated, it's every man, woman, and child. um, But like... Also, every man, woman, and child are um, fighters. So the whole society fights. The whole society moves together, and there's like a ton of them. Uh, I can't remember the exact estimate, but it's probably over like 100,000 of these people moving around, and Caesar's got like 30, 30 to 50,000 soldiers. Dude, could you imagine for a minute like a, a human convoy of a hundred thousand yeah. people just roll through your land, like they would no. devour everything in sight. Yeah, I mean, imagine they came through. They came through our city. Hundred thousand people just pass through your city. Every store they pass just is empty. Mm-hmm. It would have to be, um, just to feed everybody. Hundred thousand people. Yeah, I, I live in university city, so they they. The population of my city fluctuates by not quite a hundred thousand, but pretty close to that. You know, just between spring and, uh, or or you know, spring. Yeah, summer. I guess, but I don't know, man. Just depending on where you live, you got two universities in your city. But yeah, yeah, I like your point's taken. It depends on depending on the side of the city. Yeah, uh, but for in this day and age, it certainly wouldn't be good. Um, Caesar and his his legions catch up to the Helvetii while they're crossing a river. And he kind of waits until they're about two thirds cross the river and he charges in and slaughters the remaining third that's still stuck on this side of the river, Dude, which was kind why, of a dick move. Why is but, it that we talked about Caesar before we didn't mention what an asshole he was? Oh, he's man. He is. Uh, he's he's quite a dude. Yeah. No kidding. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, so Caesar's a dick. He always told he's a total dick. Uh, he's, and he's really in it for himself. Um, the Helvetii misread what happens here because to them, honor was a really important thing. The idea is two you know, armies face each other honorable, honorably in, in battle. But when they when so when they looked at this act what caesar had done they thought well he must be afraid of us because he's you know attacking us in the back he's waiting until we're vulnerable this isn't something that somebody who thought they were strong would do but i mean the reality is he didn't give a shit like he just no he's like he's just, just in it to win just, right yeah he, he was in it to win it. being chivalrous or noble 
He's like no. a street fighter. He's just going to poke you in the eye and kick you in the groin and take your wallet. Absolutely. So eventually they square off and the, you know, the still numerically superior Helvetii and the Romans. It's a very brutal fight, you know, but uh, they managed to fight. The Romans managed to fight their way through and they capture the Gallic baggage train, which when you're moving your entire civilization from one area to another, that's everything you have. Is that your booty? That's it. Yeah, that's it. So the remaining Helvetii, you know, kind of flee. Um, Caesar and his his army, they're exhausted. They kind of have to rest on the spot. But he does send out envoys to all the tribes, you know, all the surrounding uh, tribes to basically say, if anyone takes in any of these refugees, you know, you're done. So it takes him a couple of days, but he does eventually want, uh, round up all of the Helvetii refugees. Now, this isn't going to go as badly as you think. What he does is he makes them go back to uh, where they were. And he wants them to this, to basically stay there and act as a buffer between the Germanic uh, tribes and, and Rome. So he doesn't like slaughter them or anything. He, he's, he'd humiliated them badly. He had taken a lot of their stuff, but he just sends them back, back to where they came from and said, no, you guys have to stay there. You were there before. That's what you, where you got to stay. Um. Which, not great, but not terrible. As uh, I mean, uh, I still think he's a lot more, sounds like a lot more of a dick than the oh, last yeah, time we talked about him. He's super awful. Um, <clears throat> now, meanwhile, not every Gallic tribe, you know, when the Helvetii first came in and, and some tribes had gone to uh, Caesar looking for help, not every Gallic tribe had gone to the Romans. Some of them had actually gone uh, north and had asked some Germans some German tribes for help. And uh, one such was the uh, uh, Suebi, which was led by Ariovistus. And they, so it's you like know, very German names. That's, it's like, it's old. It's still like Gallic. So it's all kind of, they all, it's a very, that's its own subject that, that I'm going to do my best to not get into at all. <laughs> so we'll be um, revisiting this. Yeah, no. Uh, Ariovistus, uh, he decides, you know, he's marched his people into, uh, this Gallic territory. Uh, now the Helvetii have been taken care of. No, thanks to him, frankly. Uh, but he decides, you know, Hey, I might as well stick around. That's pretty nice over here. You know, be nice to have some of this, uh, whatever they got going on. Now, Rome can't have that or Caesar can't have that because that's kind of his shtick is coming in to help and then not leaving. So he, he decides that sounds, that now. That sounds like a familiar tactic. Yeah, they do that a lot. Um, now, the people who had originally asked Ariovistus to come in and help and realize that he's not leaving, they then go to Caesar and say, hey, can you help us out with this? And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll take care of that problem for yeah, you. Yeah, no problem, guys. Let me take care of it. <laughs> Absolutely. So now he's going further into Gaul. Now... This is one of my favorite parts of the story. He's clearly outnumbered again. It's, it's common theme in Caesar's entire life. He's outnumbered in every battle he's ever in. Never in, tell me never, the odds. Yeah, it never matters. Um, he's very, very, very outnumbered. And he meets with Ariovistus, this kind of really weird meeting that at first Caesar couldn't make any sense of because this Ariovistus um, is 
really aggressive. Like I could crush you anytime, like a bug. You're no problem for me. But at the same time, won't declare, like won't throw the first punch. Won't commit to oh, saying, he's that oh yeah, guy. we're definitely. He's the come at me, bro. Come exactly. At me, bro. He's, come on. Yeah, come at me, bro. He, he's, he's doing a ton of come at me, bro. And the, uh, like the envoys that they had each brought to kind of accompany them uh, to this kind of mid battlefield uh, meeting, you know, the, uh, the, the German envoys are harassing the, the Roman envoys trying to get them to, you know, to attack, to maybe start something. And he just can't like, he can't make any sense of what's going on here. Uh, But then it turns out, he finds out this Ariovistus has been taking the omens, you know, taking the, taking the spiritual readings and he keeps getting a bad answer. He's taking them every day and he keeps getting bad answers. So he can't start the fight or at least he doesn't, he doesn't think so. And so Caesar thinks immediately advantage me, let's go. So he marches his uh, army out to the battlefield and he takes care of them. Uh, Not much, uh, not much doing after that. Um, So, Job well done. He's taking care of both threats in the Legion. You know, the the Gauls who had asked him to come in and help, they say, hey, man, thanks. That was terrific. Um, you know, you should come back sometime, visit, but, uh, you know, don't let the don't let the door hit you on the way out. And he's he was <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> that's funny. I'm not leaving. So he uh, instead of leaving. Guest. Oh, yeah, the worst. Uh, rather than leave, he sets up a bunch of forts and camps and um, spends the winter there, which is not something that, you know, really typically happened in that day and age. Now, then he kind of goes like between 57 and 53 BCE, he kind of goes on a, a conquering spree. This is Mr. Area. JC. This is Mr. JC. Yeah. He conquers the the bell guy, which is, you want to <laughs> guess where? Where the, the bell guy were the guy the guy who puts in your your modem and your TV no <laughs> no <laughs> no fuck bell no uh, yeah fuck bell <laughs> thank you <laughs> for those of, for those of you listening outside of Canada bells like our uh, our media I guess telecom yeah. telecom and they're they're just horrible. They're, yeah, absolutely. And they try now. Word from our sponsors, Bell Canada. <laughs> <laughs> They'll the, never sponsor the, this. The Bell guy uh, were in was, was Belgium. Is that's oh, okay. uh, yeah. So he, so he conquered Jim? them. Jim Bell, Bell, uh, Bell Jim. He said you, Bell guy. Jim, oh, just, God, just I'm just gonna keep doubling down on this till somebody laughs. Oh. This is a terrible bit. This is not a good bit. <laughs> we'll edit that out with some other stuff from this episode. <laughs> but the uh, the bell guy had gathered on mass in one one of their cities. They had just absolutely overwhelming numbers. Uh, and Caesar tried, you know, to attack the city, but he just it wasn't happening. So rather than spend a whole bunch of time trying to f- figure out this thing. He just sent his men out to kind of fan the area and burn and sack every town, village, farm that they came across. And what that did is it made these these all these soldiers who were concentrated in this one city want to go made home. them really antsy. 
And then they all eventually went home to protect their their land. So now this, you know, this concentrated force was all of a sudden a bunch of smaller forces, which Caesar just went methodically and took out one by one. That's like some evil genius shit right there. Yeah. Like straight up evil genius. It's yeah. smart. It's horrible. Now, I just want to I want to ask something here. How old mm-hmm. was uh so JC that's like BC, right? Like before Christ. Yeah, he's so, a, yeah, 58 BCE at this time. Um yeah. and he's probably in his 30s. Okay, so we're going to call him JC1 so we don't get him confused with the other JC. Yeah, okay, first. yeah. So JC1 yes. is in his 30s at this point and he's already done like like how old was he when he died? Roughly? Or maybe his 40s. At, at um 30s or 40s. How old is he when uh, he dies? Oh, that's such a great question. Okay. So we're not prepared. That's cool. Nobody expects yeah. much out of this. <laughs> well, I might have, I'm sure I knew that at one point, but I do not currently. No. Yeah, we haven't set the bar super high to begin with. So he's like he's in his he's in his fifties when he dies. Okay. So say. that's it. Okay. Now my my question is like he does all this stomping around, you know, burning villages and sacking cities and countries and stuff. Didn't it take like a fucking year to travel somewhere back in the day? Like how much yeah, he's he famous for so much stuff. And like, I mean, he had one lifetime. And back then, yeah. you know, if you got to march, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have to march somewhere and it takes you six months to march there, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, it's a lot of stuff he's, he's up to for, you know, he was actually his quickness, like decisiveness and quickness were things he were, he was known for. Uh, that's why he often caught his, um his enemies off guard uh, there's a saying i don't think he's it's him that actually said it but it's fortune favors the bold you know the kind of the idea that you to a certain extent you're making your own luck if you if you're surprising or off-putting the other person or off-footing the other person sorry you know you're you're making your own luck to a certain extent right he was a very firm believer in that um and next uh next on his little his little snack menu here uh was the Veneti. Now they were in this geographical area where they were not really accessible by land. They were kind of existed in these juts that faced out into the English Channel on the on the French side, uh or German, I'm not sure exactly where. Um and uh they were really again only accessible by sea. The thing about Romans is they sucked at sailing. They were awful, awful, awful sailors. Isn't they isn't never, Italy like a peninsula, basically? Yep. Like it's a boot surrounded by water. Yep. Uh-huh. Well, how could you not be a good sailor? Yeah, they just never really... I think they were reasonably good in the Mediterranean, but once they hit the Atlantic, it was a totally different story. Um, yeah, they were just... They would kind of raise navies as needed and then kind of not really have them when they didn't. So they didn't maintain them. it. No, they would lose institutional knowledge. Um, and a couple times in history, they're going to run into, you know, these kind of naval based uh, civilizations. And it's always a real struggle for them. They they usually come out in the end just out of sheer stubbornness. But it's always a real struggle for them. OK, you know, but they're I mean, they're absolutely dominant on land. That's kind of their thing. Right. They just folk. They focused on their thing. They'd, they'd rather march to where you are than take a boat there anyways. Okay. Yeah. A boat would have um, been quicker just for the record, I think. Yeah. Oh, for and sure. And just, you could have just chilled it on the boat, caught some sun, ate, ate some oranges. 
Yeah. But he, he, he Caesar does it. He builds a navy. He engages in a couple battles that don't go very well for him. Um, at one point, though, he, he has a he has he's, he, he realizes something about the Veneti. And that's that they don't use oars. They rely entirely on sails. And so if you're able to damage the sails, that makes them very vulnerable. They'd just be sitting ducks. So the next time they went out to battle, he ordered his whole fleet out. And instead of trying to ram the boats, which is what they usually did, they used grappling hooks and they just tore the sails of all the uh, of all the uh, Veneti boats. So turned them all into sitting ducks. And then they just went boat to boat and killed everybody by hand, boat to boat, Jesus. which would have been an awful way to do it. But imagine sitting kinda... on like the third boat in the line and they're like, yeah, yeah, no, that one. No, everybody's dead. Yeah, uh, they're coming to us. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Like I just jump. Over. And you're just going to be fighting for your life. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I just I just like jump over the side or something, kind of hide out. Oh, we will. At, at some point, uh, we're going to talk about one of the worst, absolute worst places to be in history in terms of uh, anxiety, uh, but not today. Um, there is a battle, though, that's way worse than that. Way worse than that in terms of dread. Okay. but we, we I feel like we should now we should that. just get to it today. <laughs> no, no. We'll get, Can we do it next it, week? Now people we'll are going to want more. They're going to be like, damn it, I want to know about this battle. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'll, you know, we'll see. Listen. All right. Okay. Okay. I've, I've got notes here. I can't well, just deviate. That's my job is to make you deviate. <laughs> <laughs> so in 55 BCE, um, Germanic tribes start crossing into Gaul over the Rhine and they kind of cross in and raise hell and then cross back and they feel pretty safe on their side of the Rhine River, right? They feel like they can just kind of wade over or swim over however they were doing it raise some hell get back nothing you can do to us over here caesar he kind of had enough of that and he really wanted to shake their confidence you know they were pretty sure that whatever the romans did they'd be able to spot them doing it get word back to you know wherever they needed to get word back to and they'd have an army you know sitting there waiting for them they didn't realize they were dealing with julius fucking caesar julius fucking caesar who built a bridge over the Rhine in 10 days, which was an incredible engineering feat at the time. It was um, sturdy enough that he could march 40,000 men over it. uh, And he had built it fast enough that he had caught the Germans completely off guard. So he marched his 40,000 men in, just kind of marched around for a little bit, kind of pillaged what little things he found. Nobody really <laughs> went and challenged him. He felt like he'd made his point, so he had marched his army back over the Rhine onto kind of his side of the Gaul, and he burned the bridge. Just kind of like, oh, guess what? Do that. Yeah, I... Never burned I, bridge. I, <laughs> it, was, it was a message. It was, guess what? I can poke you over there if I want to. And they, uh, it definitely was not lost on them. He's just kind of, he's such a sinister dude. Oh, he really is. Next on his agenda was England. He decided he was going to go, it would be really good PR for him if he could conquer what was literally the ends of, of the world as far as they knew. 
So he had this disastrous attempt to get to England. He has a terrible time finding a place to land his his ships. When he does uh, finally find a place to make a beachhead, a storm rolls in and smashes all of his ships into uh, rocks and the shore. So now his fleet is all busted up. Uh, he kind of makes like a big show of approaching some of the local uh you know local people local different tribes and asking for uh you know asking for all these tributes and slaves and stuff for them but he didn't stick around to collect delivery he fixed his ships as quickly as he could and hauled his ass back to to Gaul uh the uh I don't think the Brits took that very seriously uh they were kind of like oh wasn't wasn't that weird you know, these people from all the way the hell over there just landed here and asked for tribute. That's funny. Anyways, well, next year, he decided to do it for real. Uh, and he landed there with 800 ships. Whoa. Uh, so they had to treat that a little more seriously. Uh, he did, like, you know, he, he had a ton of resistance. Um, he was never able to really establish, you know, the kind of the Roman... Uh, hegemony it'd be like a hundred years later till before that happens but he did you know kind of get to england conquer a bunch of stuff you know get supposedly a bunch of um allegedly you know allegedly supposedly a bunch of people you know technically under his his rule but they couldn't really enforce it out there so he does that campaign the campaign there. That's kind of more of a PR thing, but it was great PR for back home that he had, you know, conquered uh conquered Britain. Um and then he, you know, had back, headed back to Gaul and by this point he had eventually essentially declared Gaul like the entirety of it uh, a Roman province. And uh this kind of starts to foment a little bit of resistance, you know. Now the Gauls definitely see what's going on and they're kind of not really loving it. So the first organized attempt at a resistance, um, there was one legion that was led out of their camp by what was, you know, supposedly a friendly city and then they were trapped and slaughtered. Uh, and another legion was someone tried to do the same thing, um, but they they figured out what was going on in, in enough time. So they only got sieged in their fort. Hold up a sec. Hold yeah. up. Yo. You just made me remember something. Isn't there some kind of story about a lost Roman legion? Yeah. That's not what we're remember. talking about today. No. But there is one, right? Hey, yeah, that rings a bell, but I can't remember exactly what the, the context of that was. Ladies and gentlemen. Next time on Fact Schmacks. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll have to look region. that up to to remind myself. Okay, um, fair enough. But uh, you know that that's uh, at this point, you know Caesar showed up and he he relieved the legion that was um, that had been sieged, but he got pretty upset and. You know, this is when Caesar goes from being a bad dude to like a really bad dude. What? It used to be kind of, you know, historically almost admirable what he did here. But, you know, more recently, 
people are looking at it like what it actually is. He 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 went pretty much genocidal. Um, Whoa, it, that's not good. It was yeah, swift and brutal repercussions. Um, just kind of raising cities indiscriminately. Um, it it was it was very bad. It was very bad. He was he's a bad man. Never forget. Now huh. this is who knew. Yeah, so at this point, all of the the resistance to Caesar... Um, I can't believe they cr- named a drink after him. <laughs> now, history is written by the victors, right? Yes. Um, all of the history behind him... Uh, or sorry, all of... Not all the history. All of the resistance against uh, Caesar unites and crystallizes behind this guy named Vercingetorix. That's okay. a great name. Eh? That's a great name. Versin? Yeah. Okay. Versingetorix. It's all Jetterix. one word. Yeah. Oh, like that's his first name? I, and I don't know if he had a last name. That's just, I wonder if they called him out. Vernie for sure. Vernie. <laughs> hey, Vernie. Hey, hey, Vern. Know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not a whole lot better. <laughs> he, he, one thing the Romans had been doing. You know, Caesar had been able to get around so quick because he wasn't really bringing a lot of supplies with him. He was living off the land wherever he went. For some Captain reason, I just pictured Julius Caesar just like cruising along in wheelies. <laughs> just like that's how his secret <laughs> to his high speed. <laughs> Listen, man, I can't I can't say why I thought it. I just did. And I wanted to share it with you and our listener. Yep. Well, now I'm thinking about it. Right. Um <laughs> Well, he uh, what what Vercingetorix did was not a whole lot better than what the Romans were doing. He decided to get them out. He would launch a scorched earth campaign in his own territory. So he starts burning and destroying absolutely everything. Yeah, so they he can't was, use anything. The Russians did that to the Germans yeah. too. Yep, yep. Um, he was convinced to spare the largest city in the region, uh, which was called Avaricum. Uh, And that was a mistake because Julius Caesar and his legions were able to make it to Avaricum. And after 30 days, they they sieged that city to submission and were able to make a base out of that city. And, you know, now they've got a safe place to stay. Uh, There was a couple more little battles that happened. But the long and short of it is that Vercingetorix and he's his between 60 and 80,000 troops wind up holed up in a city called Elysia. This is where we kind of reach the crescendo of the Gallic Wars here. Um, seeing Vercingetorix hold up in this city gave Caesar an idea. A wonderful, awful idea. What he decided the to... Grinch. You know, yeah, he I was, the idea. I was, I was specifically re- referencing the Grinch, so I'm nice. glad, you, okay. glad you were picking up what I was putting down there. Yeah. Um, what he did was he built a... a a wall around the city it was 10 miles in length it was 12 feet tall and he built a wall around this city with like moats in front of it and spike traps oh man he built a wall around the city now like Vercingetorix isn't an idiot he's seeing them do this and he's trying to stop them he's like launching attacks from the city trying to stop them, but he's not able to do it. They managed to completely wall in the city. So now that city is separated 
from uh, from their food. It's like the, it's the reverse of what Romans usually do. They usually build a camp around themselves. They've camped in an area and and or their whole camp is the rest of the world. I don't know. I haven't thought of the repercussions of this. All I'm saying is they walled in this city, uh, so, which such was an evil genius, man. It was it was pretty crazy. Um, now. They launched a couple attacks, like like I said, both to try and stop them, and then they launch a couple of attacks once the wall is up to try and break through the defenses. None of that goes very well for them. What they are able to do, though, is sneak out their cavalry, uh, and that cavalry is able to um, fan out and raise a relief army that's going to come and relieve these uh these these Gauls who are stuck in this city, right? Hold up. How do they get the yep. horses out past the wall? They, I don't, I think they either like did it while they were attacking somewhere else and managed to sneak them through. I'm not sure exactly how they did at it. Any point in this wall? You know, I don't, I don't know how they, exactly that happened. <laughs> Just that it did. Fair. Okay. Yeah. So he's well, able to sneak out. To be super well researched. Right. It's, it's a C. It's a, yes. right? <laughs> Minus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, they're able to raise a relief army. And now this is according to Caesar. The size of this relief army is like 240,000 soldiers who are now heading towards Caesar's 50,000 soldiers who are surrounding Vercingetorix and his 80,000 or 60 to 80,000 soldiers. Oh, man, you'd be shitting your pants if you were a Roman. Right? You would think. So, you would think, well, Caesar's got a plan. Of course he does. What's better than one wall, friend? Two. Two walls. So he puts a wall around himself? He put a wall around himself. He sandwiches himself in the middle. I don't know if that's a great idea. (laughs) Yeah, it's certainly risky. Um, You know, he's well defended at this point. But uh, he's cut himself off from a lot of his food and, and reinforcements. Yeah, uh, and, I, don't, and supplies. No, I don't think that's a great idea. So, yeah, he's stuck in the middle. But meanwhile, things in the city have been going bad for longer. And here's where something uh, happens that sucks. The oh. city is resentful of the army being there, you know, because they're all starving. And the army cuts him a deal. They say, hey, how's this? Why don't you guys just leave? You know, I'm sure the Romans will let you pass through because you're just citizens, right? So we'll kick you out of the city and you can go deal with the Romans. And surely, sure enough, they'll let you through, right? Of course they will. And then we can stay here and we'll take the rest of the food and then we don't starve and, and hopefully you don't starve and everybody wins. So they, they kick all the civilians out of the, uh, out of the city, all the women, the children, and the, the old people. Well, you think Julius Caesar let them pass through his line? No. No. To be fair to him, you kind of have to appreciate that. That could be a Trojan horse. You know, it's war. What did he do? Did he kill Well, he he didn't do anything, but he didn't let him through. So then they went back to the city. Oh, okay. He didn't kill them or anything. No, no. But they went back to the city and they're like to this Vercingetorix guy, well, we can't get out that way. So let us back in. And he was like, mm, nope. 
So these people were left. Yeah, these people were left to starve to death in the middle of these two walls. Well, like Um, how many people? Like thousands? Probably. What? That's it's just a fucking awful part of that story. But that yeah, that's terrible. That's terrible, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, The trapped gulls. Yeah, the trapped gulls in the city. Um, they try a nighttime raid, but they're repelled. Um, things are starting to get really bad for them. You know, this relief army has got to figure something out to kind of break this because, you know, Caesar can probably outweigh the city and then he could probably deal with, with, you know, or then he'll, he, he only has one army to figure out. So they got to do something fast. So, the relief commander, a guy named Commius, he launches an attack during the day. He had found a little weak spot in Caesar's wall. There was a part where there was a hill where they couldn't quite complete the wall. So he was going to march. He was going to send, basically he was going to do a frontal attack and then he was going to sneak some dudes around to this weak spot in the wall. He's going to try and break through there, right? Well, Vercingetorix, meanwhile, this is during the day. He can see what's going on from the city, so he launches his own attack from inside. So now Caesar's being attacked from both sides, uh, which is not a great scenario for him. Um, Now, supposedly, he sees, allegedly, he sees that this, that there's uh, there's soldiers that are going to break through this weak spot in the wall, and he personally takes charge of uh, a unit and he you know gets over there fast and he starts fighting them head on head holding them back now he had a little trick of his own up his sleeve though you see because when he had seen that he ordered his own cavalry to slip behind his walls exit his walls and circle around behind this force that was trying to push through this gap and attack them from behind and that's exactly what they did. Apparently, they hit them so hard <laughs> from the behind uh, <laughs> that that so they uh, complete, completely like they just obliterated those units. And it it shocked. I damn near killed him. <laughs> it shocked the rest of the the um, the Gallic army so much. You know, just seeing that happen that they basically the relief army fled. It was over. 250,000 people were just like, no, 50,000 people just beat us. Yep, pretty much. What? Well, because they weren't going to be able to break through the wall, right? So, yeah, they broke and they... I'm sure that wasn't the only casualties they're taking. They're trying to storm a wall, so they were probably taking heavy casualties before that. Um, But, yeah, that was enough to kind of scare them off. Um you know, See, at I'm the just, end of the day, I'm thinking about like ancient wall construction and mm-hmm. I'm just finding it hard to believe that they didn't have the ability to somehow break through or break down one of these walls. Well, they had, like I said, they had like moats ahead of them. They had um, spike pits that were hidden. Uh, they, they had like, they really knew defense. That is one thing they did very well. Okay. So they were very well fortified in. Other than, I guess, in this one spot. So, uh, Vercingetorix, now realizing that he had lost, 
Um, he uh, put on his best armor, and I I didn't mention this up until now, but he had just a tremendous mustache. Uh, oh, if you ever get a chance, nice. if you if you do remember to look up a picture of this guy, he has just an amazing mustache. Uh, so he must. I imagine he got out his best mustache wax, and he uh, he marched himself out and surrendered. You know, to spare his men. Thus ended the Gallic War. Um, for his part, Vercingetorix, he was kept prisoner for a few years until Caesar was able to have a triumph in the city of Rome where he was marched through the city and then uh, unceremoniously strangled in the dungeon. And that was oh. the end of him. And that was the end of any united Gaul. The rest, uh, as they say, is history. But that's yeah, one of the most famous... No Gaul that, you know, went on past that, right? That mm-hmm. was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. Well, there you go. After that, it was, it was, it was Rome. Huh. I mean, I think it's still, it was still maybe called Gaul. Uh, yeah. So Gaul, just to refresh my memory, <clears throat> you probably mentioned it, but uh, you know what my attention spans like. Absolutely. Modern day, what would have been Gaul? Like Belgium, France, Germany, France, Belgium. Germany Belgium. Yeah. Okay. So just like yeah. a little sliver through all those countries would basically have made up Gaul. Yeah, and it, like at the time, Rome would have, when this all started, Rome would have kind of had a sliver of the Mediterranean territory heading to Spain. They were in charge in Spain by this point, um, but they did not uh, technically um, have any of the other stuff. Okay. So yeah, I after had Caesar, no they idea did. how much of a D-bag JC1 was. Oh, yeah, there's a reason that uh, he got stabbed. Yeah, yeah, I don't feel bad <laughs> yeah. for I used to be like, man, that's kind of a shitty way to go, right? Oh, I mean, great men are almost always terrible men, right? I don't know, man. I I say we're all right. (laughs) (laughs) That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just, it's, that's a pretty cool story. It's always funny, like, when you think, when you picture back, like, to how these ancient armies would have fought. And it's just so weird, because you think, like, oh, just, you know. I don't know. Like, how big are these? When you picture it, like, how big are these walls? I'm picturing them like he's made himself a run of like 12 feet across <laughs> in a ring around the city. But like, he probably made the wall. Like, you know, he probably had a good run of area. Oh yeah, but then it's ten miles. It's ten miles in length in total. Yeah, ten he's, miles worth a ten foot wall. That's a lot of wall to build. That is a lot of wall to build. But it's just weird to, I don't know, it's just weird to think about how these guys would have fought back in the day. Mm-hmm. And like these, mm-hmm. this would have lasted months, right? Um, like you're not building, oh, yeah. a ten, you're not building a 10, 10 mile wall. And well, they got that one up. I think they got that one up pretty quick because they got it up before. Uh... No, I think they're. One of the so if if there's like two things that the Romans were very good at, it was um, hitting things with swords uh, in an organized fashion and building things really well and really quick. Yeah, the, those were their two major skill sets. Uh, they were amazing engineers. I think that's maybe one of the reasons why they never kept a navy around because they always just figured, ah, eh, we build one whenever we need one. Yeah, it's pretty industrious. And then, but the other thing too, like you're talking about building a wall, like 
you're you're outside of the city, so you don't have access to any of the city shops or any, you know, like you basically but, have to make a so, swallow to. But I had told you before. So um, around the time of this guy Caius Marius, we had gone over in the first uh, war. There, he had started the first kind of professional armies in Rome, and he had gotten rid of pack animals. And he kind of started this tradition where they would carry carry around all the tools they were going to need, and they would harvest whatever their materials were from the environment to build their camps every night, or every night that they were marching. But they would they would build a you know a small city in the course of an afternoon. That's craziness. They're just, but you get fifty thousand people working at something, you know. True. You get a lot done. True. Get a lot done pretty quick. All right. Well. I like it. It's a good yeah. story. Well, all right, Kev. Okay, Matthew. my uh, my musing for today better be amusing. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's something I find myself thinking about quite a bit. Uh, it's something. Oh, wait a I minute. F- wait. Do I want to know? You do. It's me. It's something. <laughs> it is something that um, I uh, I wonder if it's real or not. Our love and is it's, definitely real. Hundred percent. Our love is real, and some might say our love is infinite. And they can't pay the rent. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what I wonder about: is infinities? Do real infinities exist? Is infinity Uh a real thing, or is it just a mathematical concept? You know, there's a couple like there's a couple real world you know places where you might find an infinity. You know, a black hole might be an infinitely dense region of space-time we don't know if there's actually a limit to that so there's a possibility that there's a real infinity there and they say that if the universe is flat which means that just it doesn't you know curve in on itself it's not built like a sphere like if you traveled in this in a straight line you wouldn't wind up back where you started if the universe is flat it would theoretically be infinite they say i don't know why i just believe the smart people um that's usually a good thing to do in life yeah just trust the smart people don't be yeah. a, somebody studied you know, that yeah i like i didn't spend years studying <laughs> that. i'm a dummy <clears throat> sorry <laughs> uh uh anyways yeah so i just it's just something i think about like do you think infinity is a real thing or is it just a concept oh boy have you ever thought about that <laughs> I mean, if you think about it on, uh, like, when you really stop and think about it, it is hard to Mm -hmm. imagine something that is just infinite. I don't think our brains are equipped, I know know mine isn't, to handle the concept of something that could be unquantifiable, Mm -hmm. that something could just be forever. Forever and ever. Which I suppose might be time. Well, that's an interesting, so if time, there, okay, so there's a couple different ways the universe can theoretically end. There's something called um, the uh, the big crunch. I think we kind of all understand intrinsically, like eventually the universe is expanding. The idea is eventually the universe is going to slow down and start retracting back into its, uh, you know, big bang state. And like then a new go, big yeah. bang happens. Uh, and uh, that's that's one theory. We don't. To the best of our knowledge currently, that's very unlikely to happen. There's not enough stuff close enough together to start pulling everything back together again. Uh, And we now know, in fact, that the universe is the expansion of the universe is actually speeding up uh, rather than slowing down. 
So considering that it's speeding up and we now know that that or at least we now theorize there's something called dark energy, which is responsible for everything expanding away from each other. Well, what's going to happen eventually is that every galaxy is going to be spread so far away from each other that no galaxies will be functionally connected to each other in any way. Like if there's Uh, a universal COVID and it's just social distancing forever and ever and ever and ever. Not everything has to be related to COVID, Kevin. Listen, I'm living this nightmare. I've had enough of this. (laughs) I've had enough of this goddamn COVID talk. Uh, no, we'll but like, it on uh, Facebook, it'll be cool. Yeah, yeah. But every galaxy becomes its own island. Well, then eventually every galaxy dies out. You know, all the stars will eventually die out. This is really all sad. of the all of the stars that you know would turn into black holes will turn into black holes. You know, on a long enough time frame, all of this is called the heat death of the universe. Everything just stops moving, and once everything kind of stops moving, is there any time? Oh, it could just go Matt. on forever like that in a state of, you know, that's that's a terrifying prospect, right? The heat death of the universe is is not my favorite. There's another one called the big rip. I mean, it's, it's not. Even, it's kind of like a not my problem kind of thing. Oh yeah, none of this, right? And and it's not Earth's problem because Earth will be gone way, 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 way before that. Yeah. Uh, when our sun goes uh, supernova. But yeah, that's or when a Russia of goes into Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> That's a version of infinity where, you know, at that point, time stretches on forever, but nothing happens. It's like this podcast. Ah. <laughs> so you got no thoughts on the uh, the plausibility of uh, of real infinities there? I mean, like I said, it's a hard thing to actually just wrap your brain around. This is another one mm. of those instances where you serve me something and I'm like, yes, I must digest this before I can come <laughs> up with a solid thought. But like off the top of my head, I, like I said, time, I mean, would time just march on even after the universal death? Like whatever, what is time? Dun, dun, dun. Well, that's a, like, that's the that's thing, a, you know, like you, it's, it's hard to really just wrap your head around. How much time yeah. has passed already? Even try to wrap your head around that, which isn't well, infinite, does, is still mind boggling. Does time exist if there's nothing to mark the passage of time? If there's no, if nothing ever it's like changes, a tr- if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? Of course, it makes a sound. Well, yeah, that one's easy. It makes a sound. Yeah. But does time exist in the in the complete absence of anything changing? My brain hurts. Thank you and good night. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Fact Smacks. We hope you enjoyed our show. If you want to hear more, be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash facts schmacks. Or you can check us out on Facebook or on YouTube or on Twitter.com at Fact Schmacked Pod. We also have a website, factschmacks.xyz. Because we know you haven't had enough yet. Sure.
Thank you for listening to Fact Smacks. We hope you enjoyed our show. If you want to hear more, be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash facts schmacks. Or you can check us out on Facebook or on YouTube or on twitter.com at fact schmacked pod. We also have a website, factschmacks.xyz, because we know you haven't had enough yet. Sure. <laughs>